Good day, folks. Thank you for joining me for another podcast. And as I had mentioned last time, I want to go into a little bit of a different uh, direction with this one. I want to relate some scriptures to how they would apply to us with what's going on in the world today. Uh, specifically, Matthew 24, the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, and what's in the book of Revelation. Specifically in the book of Revelation, I want to talk about the riders of the four horses, the white horse, the red horse, black horse, and the pale horse. And in this particular podcast, the focus on the rider and the white horse, which I believe as those riders of the apocalypse go out, and I believe they've been riding through the ages since the time of Jesus. But the rider on the white horse specifically is what I want to focus on, and I believe that that's... uh, that rider goes out, it's deception. It says he goes out to conquer, but he goes out to conquer with a bow with no arrow. So how is he conquering? Well, he's going to go out and conquer with words. He's going to go out and conquer with deception and uh, working behind the scenes in the shadows, just like the serpent did in the Garden of Eden. It's, it's always been his case is to use deception to start out with in order to conquer. Now, again, going back to the garden, what was the enemy looking for? Well, God had created the earth and he had put Adam and Eve and given them dominion. And so what does the enemy want? Whatever God would give the man is the enemy wants to pervert that. He doesn't want man having what God gave to him. Now, some people think, well, you know, he, Adam and Eve gave over the title deed of the earth to Satan when they were deceived, well, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. It was never Adam and Eve's to give away in the first place. God made them stewards over the land. He created the earth and put Adam and Eve to be stewards over the land. And of course, our stewardship of the land over the years is questionable at best. But anyway, the enemy has used that same deceptive power that he used in the garden uh, through the serpent back then, and he's used it right up until this day. And that's how he tries to rob, pillage, and destroy because whatever he can't get, and again, the enemy will never win out totally. I don't care what he's doing. God is always doing something else. God is always going to come out, and we, the church, will always come out the winners. But in the meantime, again, the enemy will do everything to rob, pillage, and destroy to try to prevent man from having what God gave to him and with Jesus basically for us. So he tried to conspire in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he's been using conspiracies ever since. And I know today you hear the word conspiracy theory, and everybody thinks that means it's all phony. Well, you know, this, as again, conspiracy has been going on since the Garden of Eden. They've gone on through the ages. They're not theories. They're actually facts. And why does he do it again? To try to gain control. And people that criticize conspiracy theories today so that you'll never see what's really going on. That's how the deception works. Okay, how did he pull it off in the garden? As again, his mouthpiece was the serpent and today. How does he do it today? Well, the false prophets of religion, media, art, you know, entertainment, uh, everything. Anything he can use to put out a false message. Now, I mentioned that uh, I wanted to speak in Matthew 24 in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, you see the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And you see the you see them, uh, primarily is, is their focus comes in in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. Who's the dragon? That's the enemy, the devil, Satan. 
who's the beast, the whole beastly system that he has used through the ages, starting out in the original Babylon, the ages, he's used this uh, Babylonian beastly system to dominate and control. And the false prophet of religion, I mentioned the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, the false prophets of religions and media, philosophy, and all that stuff is how he gets his message out and how he deceives the people. In the book of Revelations, in the 17th chapter, you see the harlot, it's called, sitting on seven hills. And hills there are typify governments or different phases of government. So that whole false prophet thing sits there propped up by all the governmental systems, financial systems, all these different things in order to deceive the people. And so the false prophet gives voice to the message to deceive the masses. It was that way in the garden, as I mentioned, the original Babylon and all through history, Egypt, Syria, Medes, Persians, Greeks, Romans at the time of Jesus and all the way, all the different empires of the world. That's all part of this beastly system designed to rule over people. The enemy had never had to change his plan because through deception, the people accept it. Jesus said, and that's I mentioned Matthew 24 because the reason I mentioned that is several times in that chapter what Jesus talks to him about is deception. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. And there's a point where he said it would get so bad that in the end, if possible, even the elect would be deceived. That's how strong the deception gets. Fortunately, we who have the spirit of Christ in us, hopefully have the discernment to see this deception that's going on. Now, why am I saying this? Because we are now living in a period of great deception. And I don't think many see it. Jesus exposed it in his time. And to be frank, not a lot of people saw it then. Jesus was calling out all the deception and phoniness of his time with the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herods, and all the religious political leaders of a day. He was criticized for doing it. His apostles even questioned him. Obviously, they saw the light later when they were filled with his spirit. But all of Jesus's ministry, there was all these things going on, and he was trying to expose the hidden works of darkness, expose the deception, and people didn't see it. Deception had brought about Jesus' demise. Not that God the Father didn't know it was all going to happen and it was all serving his plans and purposes for our redemption anyway. But the division and the deception, we talk about division in our time. It was the same in Jesus' time. People were divided there. Again, I mentioned Pharisees, Sadducees. There were Herodians, those who were loyal to Herod. There were Zealots who wanted to overthrow everything by physical violence. And there was a group called the Essenes who lived out in the wilderness all these people were divided in all his way. And what did Jesus come? He came to bring the kingdom of God to people so that he would end the deception and end the division and bring everybody together. But, you know, Jesus unfortunately told the people, you've got eyes to see and you see not and ears to hear that you hear not. And so at the end of his ministry, and again, this is where Matthew 24 comes into play. <clears throat> he had just come from Jerusalem and the apostles were saying, look at the marvel of that temple that Herod put up. It's gold plated and the sun hits it and it's got all this beauty. And, and they asked 
Jesus tells them, look, guys, not one stone is going to be standing on another. In other words, he's prophesying to them that destruction is going to come on this whole system. They rejected me. They rejected my kingdom. And now there's going to be, unfortunately, judgment brought against them. And the apostles asked Jesus a question. It's like a threefold question. They say, when's this going to be? And when will you return? And when will the end of the age come? Now, you got to understand at that time, when they talk about the end of the age, they're not talking about the end of the world. They, they were expecting the messianic age to start. They believed Jesus to be the Messiah. And they said, look, he had just told the people of Jerusalem, Jesus had just told them, I'm not coming back until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they're asking him, well, when are you returning? And when is this messianic age going to start? And when is the other age going to end? And so Jesus in Matthew 24 begins to tell them what's, he begins to answer their questions and tell them what's going to go on. And primarily what he's talking to them about is the destruction of Jerusalem that would come in their generation. And that's exactly what he told them at the end of Matthew 24. So all these things are going to happen before this generation's out. But it, not only to me is he speaking from Matthew 24 about the destruction of Jerusalem, but he's always already also giving us a template kind of for what's going to go on right through the ages. And he tells them, don't be fooled. People are going to come with claims of the Messiah, which they did after Jesus has died. He said, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, which there were then. He said, kingdom against kingdom, nation against. It was then, it is now. You know, there's going to be division, unrest, injustice, civil wars, which Jerusalem, that's one of the reasons why the Romans came in, having a civil war among themselves that got so fierce, they wanted to end the whole thing. He said there'd be famines and earthquakes. There was then, there is now. He said, you, the apostles, he said, you're going to be, some of you are going to be brought before, you're going to be persecuted, and you would, some of them, you will be killed. And unfortunately, there are martyrs right through the ages. He said sin's going to be rampant and, and, and people will, he said they're going to, their love's going to turn cold and they're going to betray each other. People will become cold, hard, indifferent to the hurts of others. Happened then, it's happening now. But I want you also to know that with all of what Jesus was saying, here was the good news. He said, you know what? This good news of the gospel, it will be preached to all nations. And that's the thing as I begin to talk about deception and what's going on today is that I want you to please understand this. No matter what the enemy's doing, God's doing something else. As I mentioned earlier, the enemy never wins. You see, the church of Jesus, the enemy has tried to stamp that out. It's been going on for 2,000 years. He can't do it. And he never will. But what he can't have, he will always try to rob, pillage, and destroy. He can't have the earth, he'll do that. He can't have the people, he'll try the same there. And as I mentioned, the template, I believe, is here in Matthew 24. It's continued for 2,000 years. All four horsemen have been riding for 2,000 years, and we'll be talking about the other horsemen down the road. So what's happening right now? The same old thing. Nothing new is happening. Those riders are going out doing the same diabolical thing. And how do they get away with it? They deceive the people so that they don't perceive what's going on. They use the false prophet to make people believe that the lie is the truth and the truth is a lie. So let me try to be more specific and bear with me here on this 
I don't want too much information overload. The white horse today. How is that white horse going forth today? The horse of deception. Everything that's done today is made to look like it's a noble thing to do, that it's good to do for the people. We have your best interest at heart. And uh, when you hear the, the, the catchphrases and the words that they use today, they're always making it think like, guys, look to us for the answer because we have the answer for whatever the problem is and we have nothing but your best interest at heart. Well, that hasn't been proven to be the case. Now, I mentioned the Babylon that started right at the beginning. That is a highly centralized, controlled and everything. The early first Babylon you can read about in the book of Genesis, and that goes back maybe about the ninth chapter. It had put all the people into one area, basically, like they were going to gather them all under one umbrella, and they were going to control the religious, political, economic, everything. Their social life, the whole nine yards, was going to be controlled, and it was all done under the guise of being beneficial to the people. Now, how does that Babylonian system rule and reign today? I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. We have international organizations that have been set up in the world, and this has been going on since World War II. It's accelerating now. It's more prominent now than it was then. But all these international organizations, I mean, post-World War I, it started out with the United Nations, but now it's morphed into a whole bunch of other organizations, and they're all put out there because they have we the people in mind, and they're going to benefit us. World Trade Organization, World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, World Council of Economic Development, the Council of Inclusive Capitalism, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, Bank of International Settlements, G7, G20, Bilderberg Group, Club of Rome, Council of Foreign Relations. All these things are put in place and they're going to provide for us world prosperity, world peace, world health. They're going to protect the earth and they get the people to buy into it. So what do they do? They create world economic inequality, constant war, disease, pandemics, scorch the earth. You create the chaos. So why? You can come into all the nations with a solution. You'll all come under our umbrella and we're going to save you. We don't need to be saved by them. We need to be saved from them. And by the way, every one of those international organizations I just mentioned, they're all European. So you can kind of see where the power shift is going to. Yes, I'm saying they orchestrate the very things you're seeing today. They replace governments. They prop up. They put in there who they want. And you see it happening in the world. And how does it get dismissed? They call it all conspiracy theories. Right now, there's a plan. I mentioned the World Economic Forum, which is started by this guy, Klaus Schwab. He's a German slash Swiss Swiss guy. He founded it in 1971. It wasn't called the World Economic Forum. Since then, he's changed the name of it. He's a... He went to Harvard, naturally. He's an engineer and an economist. 
and, he, and then this World Economic Forum is having what they call right now, they have a 10-year plan. It started in 2020 called the Great Reset, where they're going to reset everything. The economic, social, political, religious, everything's going to come under these umbrellas of these organizations that I just meant, mentioned to you. And they will force, almost force the governments of the world into it, which economically and other ways that we'll talk about later. <clears throat> they have a group of people, they started a school in the early 90s and there's graduates every year and people that they kind of ordain. They've put them 30 years into government, finance, health, education. Uh, Trudeau, the guy in Canada, one of their graduates. Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin has known Klaus Schwab for 30 years and he spoke at their organizations and everything else. So, I mean, it's not like he doesn't know what's going on in this world. He he sees it very clearly. Ivanka Trump's one of those that they've ordained. Uh, our congressman, Daniel Crenshaw, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Tom Cotton in Arkansas, all these people, Macron in France, the prime minister of Belgium, prime minister of Finland, and the founder of different corporations, Wikipedia, Zuckerberg, and uh, Facebook, uh, founder of YouTube, Skype, uh, media people, uh, there's a woman that's on Fox there, Marie in the Morning, whatever. She, All of these people have all had connections with them. Uh, the Pope, as a matter of fact, spoke over there at their meetings in 2014. Everybody says, well, that's all good. All this is No, I'm saying it's not good. It's all a false prophet to bring about their own end. I mentioned the Council of Inclusive Capitalism. That's that's a big thing of a Rothschild. Uh, Evelyn uh, Rothschild's... Uh, oh, God. What's her name? Lynn, I think, is her name. Anyway, I, it's the wife. She's the one that's kind of spearheading the whole thing. And... Uh, they have a group also that they call the Guardians. And, you know, th th these are all the people that are watching over the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Foundation, the head of DuPont, uh, Johnson & Johnson, the CEO of Vista, MasterCard, Bank of America. All these people are all involved with all of this. And eventually what they want insofar as economically is to have a cashless digital society. Uh, they're going to replace the dollar as the international currency. You see that starting to happen already. You've got uh, major players in the world. All of these people I mentioned, they're unloading their dollars. They don't, they're buying up other assets with their dollars. Uh, Saudi Arabia recently, no, we don't, we don't want to sell our oil to you anymore. We'll sell it to China because we'd rather have the yuan than the dollar. So, I mean, that should be a warning to us as to what's going to happen down the road. Okay, let me keep going. I mentioned the different organizations. There's the uh, Club of Rome. That started in, uh, well, 1968 in Rome. It's since Mulos in Switzerland, but they've issued like 40 reports over the years. In 1972, they did one on all on economic growth and how the economic growth, what was going to happen in the future, that there was going to be economic catastrophe in the future. Know that if that happens, they create it and then come in again with the solution. They also, you know, there's too many people, not enough resources, which there's plenty. They saw an economic collapse coming, climate change. They started talking about this stuff 50 years ago. They want to redefine the economy. They want everything to come together under them. 
So as I said, you create the problem, and it's always the opposite of what you sell to the public. And it's total, absolute control of the economic, political, educational, social, religious life of the people for the benefit of these elitists who consider themselves as God over the people. Our alleged protectors become our destroyers, and you don't see it's coming until it's too late. Club of Rome wants 10 economic zones set up around the world, working together. Together for who? And as I mentioned, the dollar no longer being the international currency. Well, look out when that happens. The house of cards is going to come tumbling down here. I, I don't want to go to great length on this now, maybe in the future, in the next podcast. But what's going on right now in Russia, which is supposedly going to tear down the economy of Russia? Guys, I got news for you. It's got a better shot at tearing down our economy. Do we realize how international the economy is? We're looking at this as a plan to bring Russia down, and I'm saying in the end result of this could be bringing us down further. Do people realize Russia and the Ukraine are the breadbasket that they supply the uh, more than anyone else, the wheat in the world? People think, well, Russia's only got gas and oil. No, no, no. They got the titanium, the cobalt, the nickel. They got all these minerals that the world needs. If their world doesn't get those, the car industry, uh, batteries, everything. It's <laughs> I don't think we understand what's going on. I'm telling you they're talking about one thing while there's another thing going on behind the scenes. And all the resources that you and I need, you know, every one of us need water, we need food, we need, right now, oil and gas. And by the way, the, the, the push into solar and uh, wind, I mean, obviously that would work in some areas. It's, it's certainly not going to work all over. There's always going to be some gas. I, I mean, I live in Florida, so it makes perfect sense here to have solar energy, but there's parts of the world that won't work, but who's going to wind up controlling that oil is is the big thing. And who's going to wind up controlling the food, the uh, water? I don't think people understand. We've got a real estate market going crazy here in, in America, specifically here in Florida. It's not, do you know the largest real estate owner in the country is Blackstone, a corporation? Corporations, why do you think this market's being driven up? One of the major region corporations are buying up the houses. And some of them, they're renting out. It's not the normal landlord, like the guy down the street that owns a four unit. No, corporations are buying it up and they're driving up all the prices and driving out a lot of the people. The largest farm owner in this country, Bill Gates, and I mentioned this before, he don't look like no farm. I grew up on a farm. Bill Gates don't look like no farmer to me. All the distribution of food in this country, it's controlled by a couple of major corporations. We say, oh, my God, we've got all this inflation going on. You will always have inflation going on when they won't bring the product to market. That's always going to be the case. But they've got us convinced that the inflation's our fault. Or the inflation is Russia's fault. When the inflation is really these elitist people that own everything's fault. All the seed used for growth 
overwhelming amount of it is controlled. Well, it used to be Monsanto. I think they changed their name because everybody else couldn't handle the connection with my Satan. So I think they changed their name now. Do you know that water, which is obviously essential, 70% of the existing, you know, fresh water market is controlled by two, two major corporations. Everybody, everything we, the people need and used to have some say in and some control over, you know, on a statewide, county-wise, or, it's all gone. In the 21st century, as we further into the century, water will be what oil was in the 20th century. Everything is, everything that we now handle on a local, state, and national base, schools, police, prisons, military, mail, social, everything is going to come under corporate control. These these people have predicted, when I say these people, all these organizational things, that there's going to be a world uh, famine and water. Uh, The water supply, well, 2025, the two-thirds of the world's population will be short of fresh water. I mean, you, you look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and you say everything that's about, part of that's about water. Israel desperately needs the water. Or you don't have a nation. In our country, down in Texas, Boone Pickens, he has the right to 65 billion gallons of water that he could drain out of that, what do they call that aquifer in Texas, o- Ogallala or whatever, something, <laughs> I might have mispronounced that. He has the rights to that. He owns that. Now, there was a guy out in Oregon. He owned 170 acres of land, and all he wanted to do was divert some of the water that was on his property for his crops, and they told him it's illegal, and they and they charged him. Think about that. One guy can drain out $65 billion, and this guy wants to cut 170 acres, and they won't let him have it. <sighs> okay. All of these international organizations are going to do what's necessary to bring about this reset of the world economy, government, climate, social life. And for the most part, they're doing it with very little disapproval of the people because they've got us all deceived. They got us all believing this one or that one or the other one's our enemy. They go into all of these other countries in the name of democracy because we have to help these people when it's really not about helping anyone. Do you think the people of, I'm talking to the average everyday people of Ukraine. Do you think anybody's helping them? We we told them we have their back. I don't want my friends to have my back that way. And I'm not trying to be quote, unpatriotic or, or subversive. I'm just talking common sense here to, to open up our eyes and see what's going on. And don't, well, it's because of who we got in the White House. No, these people are all puppets. The guy that's over in Ukraine, we put him in there about eight or oh, a few years ago after we, we had a basically staged a coup there in 2014 when uh, Obama was president and we put in this government. And the, and the country, Ukraine, you got to understand from the 1990s when the Soviet Union fell 
All the Western world went in there. They turned Russia and Ukraine into like a freaking cesspool. The corruption and vileness, the oligarchs that were robbed, pillaging and destroying in their own nations, the sex trafficking, the biochemical nonsense. And it's all put out there by the false prophet of media. They frame everything day after day, week after week. They frame everything so that people don't even see who the real enemy is. Fortunately, there are those with discernment. I'm not saying everybody. And what are the ones with discernment held up to be? Conspiracy theorists, unpatriotic rebels, uh, or even uh, religious fanatic groups who are bigoted. And the good news again is our God is not caught unaware. In the midst of what they are doing, Jesus said in Matthew, the gospel will go out into all the world and it is happening right now. I, you know, you don't see it on the mainstream media uh, because they would never report on it again. And you're not seeing it in the mainline churches because many of them are not even preaching the right message. But in different areas of the country and the world, God is moving. And an amazing thing, he's moving among young people. And again, well, I don't know. I don't see. No, you're not seeing it because you're not going to see it in the media and you're not going to see it in these huge mega churches. Young people are meeting wherever they can. And they go, you know, whatever. I saw a thing recently, and this is uh, outside of Paris, Paris, France. This guy was a, you know, he wasn't pastor in any big church. But because of what the enemy has done in all of these countries and refugees, and they had a lot of them have gone into Europe. So even in France, it's become a multiracial, multicultural area. And so this guy wanted to reach out to everybody. He said, all I want to do is present the gospel of Jesus. I want to announce it to them. The good news. That's what the gospel is. Good news. I'm not putting anything on them. I'm not trying to bring them religion. I'm trying to tell them, come and see Jesus, be filled with the spirit and watch what happens in your life. And so he did that. And he says, I don't care if they're Islamic. I don't care who they are. Come and find out every race, color, and creed come. And it grew and it grew. And he realized I don't have any place to put these people. So he went to the local officials and said, you know what, why don't you build a center here? Because, you know, you got all these people here. He said, and then rent it out. He said, I, I will rent it out for a couple of days, you know, a couple of several hours a week, and then you can rent it out for other reasons. He didn't try to build himself some big mega church. He said, we can meet anywhere. And the scenes of young people just lifting up their hands and praising Jesus and worshiping him. You see, that which the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Do you know that when the apostle Peter spoke on the first message he spoke when he was filled with the spirit on the day of Pentecost, he went out there and he said, you know, you've killed here the son of glory, Jesus he was talking about. He says, but, you know, repent, he said, in times of refreshing will come upon you. God, you know, God's a God of love and grace and mercy, and he will forgive you and restore you. And he said, you know, he was handed over to Pilate to be killed, 
And then he tells them, but you know what? All Pilate could ever do was fulfill the predeterminate counsel of God. And I am telling you, everything that's going on in this world right now, what the enemy thinks he's doing, God's pulling his strings. Because the enemy never will win. The gospel is going to continue to go out. Now, as we gather, gather, gather more people as the Spirit moves in that kind of a revival and awakening, is there going to be some pressure come against? Yes, the enemy's done that through the ages. He ultimately knows what this, what this is all about. He ultimately knows where the real power is with Jesus and his church. And he wants to destroy that. Will he come and persecute it? Yes. Has he ever destroyed it? No. Will he ever? No. We win. They don't ever win. Through the centuries, God has judged kings, kingdoms, empire, and he's doing it now. They bring about their own demise with their own Babylonian attempt for world control. The only thing I'm trying to do here is point out the deception so that you don't start to put your hope and trust in something that's really not there for your benefit at all. Our hope is to be in the king and his kingdom. And that one day knowing we're going to rule and reign with him. All right, that's enough for this one. I'm going to continue to go. Today, I wanted to talk about the white horse of deception, and then I want to go into the next horse, the red horse, which says he takes peace from the earth, and then go into talking about the other horses and how they, through the ages, they've been riding and what God's response is to each and every one of them. All righty, God bless. Thank you. I hope, (laughs) you know, I know I'm throwing out a lot of this and, I know I'll be accused again of being a conspiracy theorist, but I really hope this helps because I firmly believe it. And I'm not, I'm not speaking anything that a lot of the stuff that you couldn't research on your own, but uh, I'm just trying to bring it out there. So God bless you. Have a great day.